Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're going to, I don't know, talk about some car stuff and life stuff. You know, what is the show about anymore, Sarah? We just kind of talk about everything, don't we? Just a little bit of everything. So, uh, winter is officially here. I guess we could call this our winter show, I suppose. Yeah. Brutally cold. I know. On Thursday when I went to work, it was negative eight outside. Yeah, the trees had that, like, crinkly, crunchy sound of just coldness. And thankfully, I was able to get out there and start my car early. Mm -hmm. So, it was nice and toasty when I got in. Absolutely. So how did the car start? This is, I'm going to put myself on the spot here. Did you have any problems at no, negative eight? I did not. Excellent. Good deal. That's always a test for at least all of us. You know, I, I notice it as well that, uh, you know, when it's that brutal cold outside, I bring the dog in the garage and, you know, make sure he's toasty and warm. And then uh, I get up extra early and I start my vehicles as well. I'm definitely a, a warm up kind of person. Uh, I think more people need to, but you actually enlightened me a minute ago that there's a city ordinance for Springfield. Yes. So kind of outline that a little bit, because I had no idea that you couldn't warm up your car in the city of Springfield. Yep. So this was from 2017. I knew that it had been um, in effect for a while. And I mean, it could have been in effect a little bit longer than that. But this is when this story was wrote. Um, It said due to the number of cars being stolen while unattended and running, the Springfield Police Department will enforce Municipal Order 106-33. So that means that you cannot leave your vehicle wow. running and unattended in your driveway or on the side of the road, et cetera, et cetera. If you do, uh, you can end up with a ticket up to a $1,000 wow. fine. That's crazy. And I'd like to get all up in arms about that, you know, that you can't tell me what to do, that I can't warm up my car. However, I actually know several people here in Springfield that had their car stolen while warming up. And, you know, I mean, I, it's just a crazy world we live in right now. You know, I, it is good for your car, regardless of what you read on the internet, because there's all kinds of information out there that you don't have to warm up your car anymore. Absolutely. In my professional opinion is hogwash. Now, maybe you don't need to let it run for 30 minutes or something, but, uh, the fact that you can't leave it running without being stolen I think it's a big uh, red flag, if you will, like, hey, what the heck's going on? Um, and it just drives me nuts because I live out in the country, thankfully, in the, the rural area. Um, and I like to leave my stuff warming up. Now, I do, uh, I keep a, a separate set of keys for mine and I keep it locked. Um, I know there's a lot of remote starts out there. The factory remote starts I like. Uh, does yours have a factory remote start on it, Sarah? Yeah, no, no bells and whistles, huh? Nope. Um, the, so Stacy, she has a 16 Arcadia and hers will start and run for 10 minutes. And if you try and take off, I think the car stalls because it doesn't have the ignition key set in it. And I know a lot of the aftermarket, and I'm not a big fan of aftermarket remote starts. Um, they're not all bad. Um, but anybody in that market or industry knows that, not every company is created equal, but even more importantly, not every every aftermarket remote start installer is created equal. Now, I know there's some good ones out there, so I don't want a lot of hate mail over this, but you need to make sure if you are going to go that route, it is a good route. I'm a, I'm a fan of it, honestly. 
Um, but what I have a lot of problems with is they don't get installed very well or properly. And it's kind of a butcher job sometimes. And it creates me a lot of headaches trying to figure out what's wrong with your vehicle. And it really wasn't a vehicle problem. It was somebody that shouldn't have been working in that system problem. So really important to make sure that we are doing our due diligence and, you know, I am a fan of warming up your car. However, here in Springfield, A, the biggest concern, obviously, is a stolen vehicle. And B, you know, they had to pass a city ordinance to say, hey, you know, we're not letting people warm up their car anymore because we're sick of, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto. Which is really sad. I mean, that, that just irks me to no end. Um, along with all the stolen catalytic inverters and whatnot, we're still seeing a lot of for lack of a better term, vandalism that's automotive related here in the Springfield metropolitan area. Um, so you need to, you know, if it's not bolted down, unfortunately, sometimes somebody else is going to like it more than you do. So we need to make sure and, and uh, you know, kind of balance that, I guess. You know, nobody likes to get into a cold car. Um, it's not great on the car. You need some of those fluids that are, you know, need to be up to operating temperature. As well as to make sure the window thaws out, power steering operates correctly, uh, you have heat. Uh, we see a lot of times certain repairs that are seasonally. You know, if you haven't used your heat in, you know, sometimes nine months here in, in uh, southwest Missouri, then you get in a situation where you didn't know that there was a problem, and then when you need it, you don't have it. As well as, you know, this is the time it stresses the, the starting system probably the most. Uh, it takes the most electric energy to turn the engine over cold. You want to make sure that that system is in good shape. Otherwise, you're going to find the weak link and it won't start. I know here this week we've had a lot of tow-ins. Um, I think we've done a lot of towing shows over the years, but if you're in a situation that your vehicle leaves you stuck somewhere or does not operate like it's supposed to, you know, a tow truck typically is your uh, go-to. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't jumpstart the vehicle, but with the amount of electronics that are on vehicles to, uh, you know, within the last 15 years, say, 10 for sure, it's very difficult and a little risky to have somebody jumpstart your vehicle. And if you do it, make sure they know what they're doing. Um, I have from time to time, multiple times a year, we'll have cars towed in that somebody's jumpstarted it incorrectly and created some <clears throat> unfortunate collateral damage for something that was a pretty easy repair. And that's really what a lot of this show is about, is trying to make sure that you're educated or have a game plan, if you will, um, that when things don't go right, or maybe we can prevent them, which we do a ton of that as well, that you have a game plan of what it is you're going to do. You need to be prepared because right now is not the time to be stuck somewhere, um, maybe without you know uh, proper apparel and being ready for you know extreme temperatures, which is exactly what we're dealing with. Um, and looks like we're going to deal with it at least for a little while. Um, we want to make sure that you know, hey, if this thing doesn't fire up, what are you going to do? Hopefully you're somewhere that you can, you know, get a tow truck or get somebody to help you pretty quick. Uh, but it's good to have those discussions prior to things happening. Now, obviously, if I break down, um, I've been ASE master certified for very, very many years now, better than 15, maybe getting close to 18 or so. 
And, uh, you know, so it's not such a big deal. I'm prepared for that. But where this extends in this discussion kind of that we're having today is all of my extended friends, family, and, and a lot of you out there as well fall into that category. It is unacceptable, in my opinion, now I can only play so much of a role in this, for you guys to be broken down. And if something happens, I take that super duper seriously. Now, obviously, you know, you have to play a part in that as well and hopefully being proactive so that doesn't happen. Um, but for instance, a lot of times we are checking the starting system on a regular basis to see um, some underlying problems before we have to stress that system to the max is basically the philosophy that I'm discussing. And if we do stress it to the max and it does fail and it doesn't fire up or it doesn't do what it's supposed to, okay, now what do we do from there? Now, if you are a preparedness mindset kind of person, which I very much work to be that every day, maybe you have some kind of a boost or, you know, stored capacitance of power. And that technology has come a long way in the last five years. I've been talking about it probably longer than that. Um, you know, they have the anti-gravity battery was the initial kind of coined term, but it's a very small, very powerful lithium battery that will start a lot of your large V8s. Obviously, some of your smaller displacement four and six cylinder engines a little easier. And then even for some of my diesel folks out there, they have systems that will fire those up. And I use them on a very regular basis and I'm a believer in them so much so that a lot of my extended family, that's what they get, you know, every so often for a birthday or Christmas to make sure that when they need it, they can fire it up even if I'm not there. God forbid something happens. And it's this, this, uh, I'm basically kind of preaching myself here. This has saved me as well over the years, you know, whether I, uh, am utilizing, you know, key on engine off power or, you know, God forbid I leave something on it happens, but you got to have a plan of action. So if you're prepared and you want to have those tools with you, I strongly recommend it as well as being trained on how to use them. Um, I know for Stacy within our personal household, I drew little notes and arrows underneath the hood of her car with a Sharpie marker. So even if I wasn't there, she would have a very easy way to understand it. And it was been probably a year or two ago, something happened and her car didn't start. And so because I knew the arrows were there, I was able to talk her through the equipment over the phone and boom, she was able to fire up and get where we needed to go. But... I have uh, run off at uh, lots of topic this morning. We need to take a break. Sarah and I will be right back after this. Welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin here. We're doing some, I guess, seasonal car talk, Sarah. Is that what you would classify this discussion? Yeah, some winter tips and tricks, if you will. So you had brought up towing, and I guess we had kind of bridged that topic a little bit. Um, do you have a dedicated tow company? What happens when you get in a situation and you need to You know, tow? I don't because you don't necessarily get towed too terribly mm -hmm. often, or at least I don't, yeah. knock on wood. Yeah. But I don't necessarily have a tow truck operator that I go to. I call, yeah. uh, typically I call you in a yeah. panic and then <laughs> you walk me through what sure. I need to do. Uh, but you know, that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about too often. It's a good point. Yeah. Because if you do take care of your vehicle on the regular, mm -hmm. you probably aren't getting towed 
um, yeah. maybe once in a couple of years. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, that's the, the goal. I yeah. love our towing companies. I'm not trying to take business from them, but if we can prevent it, you know, that's a, a good, good move. Um, the other thing to consider that um, <clears throat> is when the weather's crappy outside, like slick crappy, your tow time is significantly longer than normal. You know, like if we called, you know, and the weather's decent, usually you can have a tow truck within about 30, 45 minutes. And when the weather's bad, the towing companies are very busy. Sometimes it'd be three, four, five, six hours. And that's always something that's a concern. Uh, Something that always, I think, gets looked over a lot. Do you have towing on your insurance or your cell phone plan? Have you ever had to use it through that at all? Have you had that experience, Sarah? I haven't, knock on wood. Good, okay. Well, thankfully, here in Springfield, and I'll just put out put this out there, Henry's Towing is not a sponsor of the show, obviously, which I think is a big uh, uh, missed opportunity on their point. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. But not a sponsor. However, how they conduct themselves on a very professional level And the way they train their drivers is why I call Henry's Towing. The bulk of all of the towing um, that we recommend, you know, whether it's our Republic location, Springfield location, is going to be Henry's Towing. They do a very good job training their drivers. They have professional drivers. And they also have good equipment. And that makes a big, big difference. Not every tow company is created equal. I've had many tow companies in the Springfield area, and I'm not going to point them out, but if you see me in the shop, I'll gladly tell you who they are, that don't train their drivers at all. Sarah, they would hire you right now. I guarantee it if you went over there, and they would hand you a set of keys to that giant truck, and they would send you to an address. How do you feel about that? I mean, I know that tow trucks have like seven different buttons Mm -hmm. to... Levers and things. Yeah. That would terrify me. Yeah. I have had... More than one occasion over the years where I get a, a young, inexperienced tow driver, and they don't know how to get the car off. So they they loaded a car with another tow you know, operator, and they sent them to us because they were cheap. This is usually a cheap thing. Um, <clears throat> and you have to watch some of your insurance companies because that's what they'll do. They'll dispatch that you know, inexperienced company because of price, not because of qualifications. And I will have to, or one of my guys will have to go out and run their tow truck for them to get the car off that needs to be serviced. And it drives me up a wall that they will send somebody out with zero training, zero experience that can potentially hurt or unfortunately in the, in the history can kill people. And I just, it drives me up a stinking wall. So when and the reason that I'm so passionate about Henry's is when I see them coming, I know that's a qualified driver that's handling that huge piece of equipment and a vehicle that is, you know, lame basically and, and broken down. I have had Henry's do and move some uh, disabled vehicles for me. They can get them into the service bay. Um, there's other companies I won't even hardly allow them to, to get it in the parking lot without tearing things up. So it really is a big, big deal. So the insurance that you have on your phone or your your, uh, car insurance is great. But uh, just be mindful. And if you're paying out of pocket, it is worth an extra few dollars to get a qualified, and I cannot stress that enough, driver to come take care of you when you're in dire straits. As well as if the weather's crappy outside, and I'm talking precipitation related normally, 
um, you need to you know, have a little grace there because those tow companies and drivers will be sometimes three or four hours. And so that's why, you know, we want to make sure that you guys are prepared as possible. So you're not stuck in that void. Uh, Sarah, when you've ever broken down, has it ever been a good convenient time? Does that make sense? No. The one time that I did break down, it was about 515 in the morning. So definitely not a great time. Yeah, it's never like, oh, you know, I want to run to the store and get a soft drink because I don't have anything else to do or, uh, you know, candy or snack or whatever. It's you're headed to work. You're headed to pick up one of the kids or family members or you got to be at the doctor or whatever it is that, you know, you have that breakdown. And that stinks. It's such a bummer deal. Um, And that's really where people start to lose faith in vehicles a lot is when that happens too often too regular. Um, I have this, I, I say I have this, I guess I've developed this, uh, experience, if you will, when you get a new to you car, you basically kind of like, it's like a new relationship. You're kind of learning everything and, and, and the pros and cons and some of the, you know, the things that you're going to struggle with, but you have to develop a little bit of trust with that vehicle. And typically it's taking care of it and catching up on some of the things the previous owner didn't do. And what I mean by that is most people just buy a used vehicle, and so it needs a little bit of service here or there. I normally buy things that are completely broken, and nobody else wants to fix them. And so I spend six months to a year, you know, putting engines in them and transmissions and all that kind of stuff. It's I enjoy the automotive business, so it's, it's a labor of love, I guess, if you will. But my point being is it's easy to let those little things go for a while. Like, oh, I got this little problem here. Or this doesn't work. Or, you know, I got to do this to make that work. And then those accumulate. And then you have all this backlog repair and maintenance to be done. And then you get a very cold, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, reality check, if you will, or an extreme heat will do the same thing. And those little things will really start to add up. And leaves you stuck or, you know, leaves you in not a good situation. And then you lose faith in the vehicle, uh, which if you need a new vehicle, that's fine. But in the climate that we find ourselves in to buy new or used, it is a probably the most volatile automotive market that I have ever seen since I've been professionally doing this. So, you know, when I was a kid, if you wanted a new to you vehicle or a new vehicle, you just walked in and picked one out. And if you didn't find something you liked here, you went to another lot and it was there. They were plentiful. We are in a barren market, to say the least. I literally know large new car dealerships right now that are calling small used car dealerships trying to buy their inventory. What do you think about that? I mean, that's kind of the experience that Ryan and I had whenever we were in the process of looking for a new-to-us vehicle. And speaking of used vehicles, Mm -hmm. um, the NASDAQ had an article that the average used car prices soar to nearly $30,000. Yes, I believe that's probably pretty accurate. Yep. I forgot what the percentage point they're up right now like almost 30 percent across the board so not everybody's buying a thirty thousand dollar used car like if i go out and buy something i'm probably not going to spend that much um but 30 percent you know say i was going to go out and buy something for five to ten grand yeah you know you add 30 percent to a a ten grand car that's that's three thousand more dollars 
that not only does that car cost you, then you got to pay taxes on it mm-hmm. and, and all that jazz. And so right now it is unreal, which, you know, creates a lot of demand, but that also opens up uh, the, the used car market to pass off cars because of the desperation that shouldn't be being sold or they shouldn't be being sold at that dollar amount. They should be, you know, significantly less as a, you know, kind of a fixer upper mechanic special. I see cars on, you know, some of the, the marketplaces and the Craigslist and all that stuff. They'll have bad engines and transmissions and they'll want five grand for them. Is that not crazy? I know. Well, we have the uh, old Danger Ranger. I love the Danger Ranger. (laughs) We could probably list it for a pretty penny. You probably could. It doesn't even run. Yeah, you probably could. And you'd have people coming out of the woodworks right now. But, you know, unscrupulous folks will put a little of that, you know, uh, slick them on there, I guess, for lack of a better term. They'll patch it up and they'll dump it on somebody for many thousands of dollars. And, you know, a lot of times that you've spent, you know, all the money you had to purchase it. I know I do. You know, it's not like I buy the one I could afford. I scrape, beg, borrow, and steal from, you know, everybody to buy the most expensive thing I could afford. And then, you know, I've, I've spent all my reserve. I don't have any more capacity. So it's a, it's a, you need to be a very diligent and non-emotional buyer right now. So I think we're halfway through. Sarah and I are going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care, trying to keep you relevant in the uh, informed, if nothing else. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, so you had a stat out there a minute ago that was like six grand, you told me. Yeah, so what was that stat again? We were talking about this NASDAQ story that the average used car prices soared to nearly $30,000. Now, this is what they wrote in their article. Um, Used vehicles were $6,126 cheaper roughly one year ago. And on average, new vehicle buyers spent between $900 and $1,300 above the sticker price in December of 2021. And that depended on the type of vehicle that was purchased. That's like the cardinal sin. Like, you know, at least as I was growing up and being coached on how to buy cars, they're like, okay, you go in there and you start at sticker or they start at sticker and then you get it thousands cheaper. Like I can remember, Mm -hmm. you know, some different deals, you know, you could get it 10,000 under sticker back in the day. I'm talking about like way back. Well, when I purchased my vehicle, I got it in. Um, I think it was 2017, somewhere in that range, and I didn't pay full sticker price for it. I haggled with them for a little bit, got some discounts here and there, but there's no way that you could even do that nowadays. They'll laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, you don't want this car? Hold on, I got a list. Let me give them a call. Yep. And uh, this is a little bit not related to car stuff, but I did some uh, hustling around at the end of the year. And I finally bought a new mower, like a new, new mower. Mm-hmm. I know that's hard to believe because normally I'm I'm patching up some old wreck that was, you know, a piece of junk 10 years ago. But at the end of the year, I'm like, finally, I'm going to I'm going to buy a new mower. So I went to Marionville Power Sports, had a great experience. Larry was my sales guy, not a sponsor, by the way. Um, but while I was there, the interesting part, and this kind of goes to that sticker 
um, discussion, this huge transport truck showed up there. And the guy was loading up one of those, uh, I think it was the Kawasaki Mule, you know, the little side-by-sides. Mm-hmm. Are those not the coolest thing ever, Sarah? They really are. They're st- like handy as a pocket on a shirt. And so I'm waiting for all my paperwork to get done and blah, blah, blah. I put it down payment and finance some of it. And this guy was a contract hauler. And I'll, I'll wrap this into our story. I'm not just not just story time with Dustin. This will make sense in a minute. He had or was hauling this to Arizona. This particular guy, I'm assuming it's a rancher. I don't know what he did for a living. He had called every dealership between Arizona and Marionville Power Sports looking to buy a mule. I'm assuming tax reasons um, and sent a transport driver to drive that to Arizona. Wow. He did pay over MSRP for that vehicle, paid in full like it wasn't nothing. And I was blown away. So there was no haggling. You know, normally, like you were your point earlier, you go in there, they got this price, and, you know, you both play the game, and you get a little discount. You feel good about yourself. Now, it's uh, you're lucky to get the product for sticker, let alone markup over sticker. I saw some trucks early in the, the pandemic, if you will, that were going for 10000 over sticker price, and they were getting it. So you know a bank didn't finance that. They're not going to give you 10000 more than it's worth. So somebody had to stroke a check for that. That's crazy. Yeah, and I know that there is quite a bit of that because when we were going through our pre-owned mm-hmm. uh, vehicle search, yep. we had originally talked to the bank about doing kind of a small loan or an auto loan. Oh, and okay. we had problems with that because of certain years of yeah. vehicles. They only go back X amount of years. And... If it's past that year, yes. it you can't get a loan for it, essentially. Like, you have to have X amount of money and wow. blah, blah, blah. So it almost pushes stuff. you into a more expensive Yeah, it really market. does. Because we originally, we were going to get something that wasn't as new mm-hmm. as what we ended up purchasing. But even then, we still had problems. It's a 2012 and we still had to kind of jump through some hoops to get it. Man. Well, and, and you kind of experienced this, you know, where you and Ryan were kind of going through that, where you would either talk with me or one of our folks about certain makes or models and trying to to narrow down or sometimes widen the the uh, available market enough because there's a lot of vehicles that just aren't worth owning. Mm-hmm. And so I know there was probably some that you're like, hey, you know, what about this? And immediately we were like, nope, don't buy it even if it's in good shape, because it's just a money pit. I was talking with another shop owner that owns a, a, you know, it's not an A1 custom car care, great shop owner, um, dear friends of ours. I was talking with him yesterday, and he's like, what do you guys recommend people buy now? And I was like, well, I mean, I have certain ones, but he's like, they're all, you know, showing some significant issues, and in particular, and everybody knows I'm a pretty big Ford fan, um, there's a four cylinder forced induction, um, engine they put in a lot of their, their smaller SUVs and midsize cars that I, I'm, I'm seeing engine failures in them at pretty low miles. And it's not a uh, failure that I can just go in and fix easily. So essentially it's an engine replacement. Um, and I, I don't, I don't swallow that pill very well. It's not one that, you know, you'll find certain folks at different times that, you know, 
when they, whenever something's wrong with it, they just want to put an engine in. I'm not that philosophy. I like fixing what's broke. Uh, but this one, actually, I've seen it in the last few weeks several times that the cylinder bore, the cylinder liner is leaking internally. And that's just not cost effective to go in and, and fix. You know, a replacement's actually cheaper in this instance, but it's still a big pile of money. And so him and I were having this conversation. He actually had one or two over at his store in the last little bit. And he said, whenever you have an internal problem with this one, you, you sell an engine to him. And I'm like, man, that just doesn't make any sense. I could see if it had two, 300,000 miles on it. Sure. But some of these vehicles are, you know, under a hundred, uh, 120, you know, normally I can go in and, and fix the broken issue and get you another 120 out of it before you're in that boat. Um, so the maintenance mindset of a one custom is really where that comes from. I am seeing catastrophic failures and I don't want to be like the fire and brimstone preacher up here. Um, but the bottom line is, is the reason we want to maintain your car so passionately is I don't want to see you in that boat where I got to sit you down, Sarah, and say, Sarah, we got to put an engine in your car. Cause that's not fun for you or me. Right. I mean, that just stinks. Yeah, it really does. And I was trying to look over here. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the cheapest vehicles. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to, fig- I'm trying to figure out which podcast it was in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look. I'm going to keep looking. Okay. But we talked about those new-to-you vehicles, mm-hmm. whether you pre-own them or maybe you go out and buy it brand new. Yeah. And... We talked about the cheaper one, and the cheaper is not always better. Right. So we went through that list, and you gave us some tips on, hey, maybe you should look into something else yeah. before you put that as your number one pick. That's a great point. Um, I got a lot of good feedback at the shop level from that show, by the way. there's, uh, It's amazing. You know, like I'll, I'll be in the, the office, and I'll be talking. I'm like, oh, you know. We listen to the show and then I'll bring something up you and I talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I remember, you know, and it's so nice to already kind of have that credibility or the backstory on a lot of that stuff. But what I remember in particular from that list we had out there is a lot of those were not vehicles that were 2010 or newer. Now, I don't want to scare you. I know you you and Ryan both have both vehicles, you know, 12 and I think, what is yours, 17, 15, something like that? 14. 14. So <clears throat> maintenance is extremely important, but the list of those vehicles was like 2010 and older. There's a lot of technology that has been refined in that area that, you know, from say, <clears throat> you know, 2000 to 10, they really didn't change a whole bunch of things. So there wasn't, you know, turbos and direct injection and variable valve timing and all this stuff that people aren't used to having to deal with. And so part of the reason I guess I'm such a stickler on some of these vehicles and why I want to maintain them, because I see the catastrophic failures, because people don't understand that, hey, if you don't change your oil, if you run it low, those older vehicles, you could get away with that. And that essentially is what I consider a vehicle that is a a good vehicle, is a vehicle you can neglect and it doesn't break down, basically. That's what I think people, you know, associate with that. And these 2010 and later vehicles, they're great vehicles. They get good fuel economy. They got really 
pretty fun to drive. Your little crew, Sarah, if you want to get up and go, I, I mean, that thing's fun. Yeah, and it's it's loud, too. Yeah. But when I say loud, it's not like, oh, this is scary. I need to take it to the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I never even noticed that before until my mom got in my oh, really? vehicle the other day. She goes, your car is really loud when we were starting it. You know, it was making the little the vroom, vroom yep, sound. the vroom, vroom sound. <laughs> but, and yeah, when, it's fun. When you need it, if you need to pass somebody, that car will do it. It is that that's a big difference, but that also comes with some extra care and avoiding some of the pitfalls of that new technology. But we're going to take one more break and we're going to wrap this up in a pretty little bow. And we'll be right back after this. Okay, welcome back. We got just a little bit of time. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you went through buying two vehicles this year, right? Or not this year. I guess we were on the fence about yours for a little while, and then we uh, basically said, let me have it, and yes. we, we worked it over real yes, good. Yes, thankfully you saved me from having <laughs> to buy a second one like three weeks yes, after. That was really brutal. I was like, no. Yeah, that was a real rough time. It was. <laughs> it was, and I wanted to make sure you knew we were there to yes, do our part. I appreciate part. you guys. <laughs> so how long before you want to go through that process again? Like, like what's your and Ryan's game plan? Oh gosh, I don't even know what our game plan is anymore. Just nothing right now. Yes, I don't want to spend a single dollar. I don't I w- blame you. Would love to just save some money. Well, you know, because of of course, uh, we just purchased our brand new house. Yeah. Well, I say just now. We've lived in it about five months now. That's and so awesome. Yeah, Congrats again, thank by you. the way. And then like two weeks after we moved in, found out I was pregnant. So we've got that going Congrats for us. Congrats again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're very, and we are very excited because yes. I was not supposed to be able to have children. Oh, so it is a miracle. It is. That's yes. awesome. So even though it came at a time where we were not planning to have a yeah. child, we are very, very excited. I strongly recommend it, by the way. I think children are wonderful. I'm so excited. And I'm very <laughs> glad that we have six and a half acres yes. where he can just roam yeah. and do his own little thing. That's so, a wonderful like, childhood right there. Yes. A little bit of property out in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, uh, we bought the uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then we had to go through the process of fixing my vehicle. So yeah. what I'm saying is I am poor. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> but I would love to buy a new vehicle here in the next, I don't know, soon. Because we do live out in the country mm-hmm. and we have experienced some winter weather now. And we have experienced that our roads are not necessarily Uh-oh. the best yeah. whenever it comes to snow or ice. If we do get X amount of snow or even just a little bit of ice, I will not be able to make it right. into Springfield. Well, you know, with that being said, and, and part of the reason hopefully kind of our input in, in what you guys did vehicle wise is to give you options. Yes. You know, I hate being in a position like, oh, I got to you know, I'd rather shop or I'd rather wait or I'd rather, you know, do this to get, you know, a better fit for somebody. Um, but when you're afoot, you really don't have that choice. You know, I've I've known some, some very dear folks that, you know, they literally, you know, had to go to a car lot in order for them to leave. They had to buy a car, you know, and that's a tough spot to be in. And with the automotive climate, we I think we've talked about that many shows and quite a bit you know, it's even more important right now, but there's a ebb and a flow to everything. And so I, uh, my vehicles are paid off and have been in good shape for a long time. And, 
um, but they're getting high mileage. I got one of my one of my uh, large SUVs has four hundred and forty thousand wow. miles on it. Uh, I got my one ton that we pull our camper with. It's probably three hundred and fifty five thousand miles. So still great rigs. I mean, I I tow and I, I work with them quite often, but I want a new vehicle at some point as well. And have you ever gotten on one of the, the factory websites and built your own vehicle? Have you ever done that? I did that with the Bronco. Oh, yes. That I, would have been a good one. I want a Bronco <laughs> so bad. That would be wonderful. Um, but there's an ebb and a flow to everything. And so kind of how I'm, you know, hopefully kind of like, you know, planning, you know, the best laid plans, you know, will go awry. But kind of what I'm thinking is at some point in time, there's going to be a surplus. This is not going to last forever. Right. However, I still think we're probably a year or years from that surplus happening. And so if you and Ryan are in good shape in two or three years, your vehicles are still worth something. Mm -hmm. I believe that's going to be the time to make a move. So I got on Ford's website the other day and I built myself an F-250 Lariat, the fancy running boards, uh, the heated and cooled seats. I mean, all the jazz. You want to take a guess of what that truck uh, built cost was probably seventy grand, seventy two thousand. Oh, I was close. You were right on the money. Uh, now that's a beautiful truck. I went with the uh, gas, the biggest gas engine they've got, the seven point two liter Godzilla engine. Is that a cool <laughs> name? Uh, if I wanted a diesel, it did jump trim packages. But take a guess of how much money the diesel added to that seventy-two thousand dollar truck. Um, probably eighty-one. Was I close? It added seventeen thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Now that is mm. going from a Lariat to a King Ranch or a Limited. So there was a, some bells and whistles trim package that goes along with that. But yeah, that puts it up to a, you know we're knocking on the door of a hundred grand for that kind of truck right now. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to do that anytime soon. Uh, I'm hoping at some point they come back down to reality as far as price-wise, but I'm not going to hold my breath. But, yeah, that is, uh, I mean, a lot of folks have probably paid less for their homes than it would cost to buy that truck. Is that not absurd? Yeah, I know that. It's crazy because when we were entering the housing hunt, mm-hmm. um, there was a house down the road from my mom's that we were pretty interested in. It was a smaller house, yeah. but it had like 20 acres oh, with that it. that been cool. I know. I'm kind of kicking <laughs> myself. Um, but they only had it listed for like 100 grand. Yeah. And then I think it ended up selling after a while with everything skyrocketing for like 120. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, and you think about that, you know, you finance that for 20 years, you know, payments probably 600 a month. You know, it's a long time. I'm not downplaying that, but that's affordable. Uh, when you finance these pickups, I think six or seven years was about the longest. Uh, and it was still $1,300 wow. a month. That's a big, uh, you know, everybody talks about that nut, you know, what my nut is. I got to make this much before I get to keep a dollar. Uh, to tack that on to a, a, you know, a monthly budget, if you will, that's a big deal. And that's not like, oh, you know, I work real hard for two years and it's gone. You're married to that for, you know, seven, eight years. That payment is crazy. And then God forbid you got to put tires on it or something, you know, the tires on a truck like that, hell, they're fourteen, fifteen hundred $1,500. I mean, that's a, a big amount of money. 
And, you know, I think about that from the repair side of it. And that's essentially what people are bringing us. They're bringing us their second, if not in some cases, maybe their largest investment they have. We got to make sure they get every mile out of that vehicle possible because you don't want to be in a position that you have to replace that. Or maybe you couldn't replace a vehicle. I mean, it's just crazy. And then I think about all of our fleet customers. We do a fair amount of fleet work. You know, they depend on those vehicles to, to be, you know, producing for their business and servicing their customers. So we take that fleet work super serious because you can't just go replace that fleet anymore. It just is a, it's a big deal whether you're, you know, uh, a family or, you know, just single person trying to make it on your own. Or if you're, you know, multi, many, many cars in a fleet. Um, I, I've noticed a little bit of a trend and I think this year, I think you and I have talked about it as well, where like households are keeping an extra vehicle around. Have you, do you know many people that have oh, yeah. additional vehicles? I know we do, um, you know, between Stacy and I, and then, you know, Seth and Trinity, we have two additional drivers kind of, you know, throughout our household. And then my kids, Josie and Jonas are going to be driving in the next few years. So I really need a spare vehicle just to put them in so I could take theirs out of service and do the the work that we need to so they have transportation as well. So um, it's a little bit of a balancing act, but it's so critical, I think, in today's day and age, even with, you know, so many people working from home and going to school from home and all that jazz, I still want to be able to go to the store when I want to. If I want to get in a trip and go, if I want to have breakfast with you guys on Fridays, I want to be able to go. I don't want to have to to be broke down, you know, is that kind of the american dream i guess if you will freedom (laughs) yes most definitely it's a big deal hey so real quick uh totally want to switch topics here because we have about a minute left um i did come across this toyota is going to be cutting production Mm -hmm. i did hear this yes and they are going to be cutting it in february and that is due to a semiconductor shortage yep if we could only open a semiconductor factory sarah we'd be rich i know we could just you know what maybe that's what we need to do (laughs) we need to open up just a plant right here in springfield we can make these chips and all of these other things that'd be great for the community yeah and it would be made here in the states yes very important Yes. All right. Well, if you guys have any questions out there in Radio Land, you can shoot us a message. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. You can reach out 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on the 1041 KSGF Facebook page. Dustin, have a good weekend. Yes, you as well. Be safe. Bye.